0: Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank You. God, we thank You that Your, pro- your Word promises that whom the sun sets free, we are free indeed. And Lord, we thank You that as followers of Jesus, we can live in freedom. Lord, and I'll be honest, I'm not talking about political freedom. I'm thanking You, Lord, today for spiritual freedom freedom. I thank you, Lord, that we are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer burdened by the things of this world, but instead we are free in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that in that freedom you would teach us, help us to understand what we are called to do in that freedom. And we pray, Lord, that in that freedom this morning you would speak hope. Into our lives, So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we lift all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Good morning. Welcome. I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read the Bible on. And I want you to turn to the book of 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, we have Bibles in the back of the pews. Just grab one of those and and turn to 1 Kings. If you're not familiar with where uh, 1 Kings is at, what I want you to do is just flip uh, three or four pages into your Bible and find the table of contents. Uh, 1 Kings is actually found in the section called the Old Testament. Uh, It's about a third of the way down uh, in the list of those books. Uh, So we want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, as you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a God-ordained moment? Have you ever had one of those moments or or situations in your life where everything came together at the perfect point, the perfect time, the perfect place for God to do something in your life or the life of someone uh, that you knew or know? Um, The reason I ask this question is I truly believe that this morning is a God-ordained moment. Let me explain why. Um, The message, uh, the the topic that I'm preaching on this morning, I've been planning this sermon since December. It's been on my... I have a calendar uh, of everything that's going to be preached uh, for the next 12 months. And, And this particular message has been planned for this particular Sunday since December. It's been on the calendar that long. And in the last two to three weeks, I have been working with people who especially have had to deal with this particular topic. Um, uh, For instance, uh, if you know me online, if you you see my social media stuff, um, you know that uh, for a few weeks, uh, beginning late mid-June, I was working with a friend of mine from back in Havasu whose heart was failing. Um, And he had to go through, he went through several uh, very complicated and advanced medical procedures uh, to try and save his heart, and ultimately, um, you know, sadly but in rejoicing as well, he passed a few weeks ago. Um, and believe me, he was in a place where he was suffering, and so there's there's sadness in his loss, but there's rejoicing that he is not in a place of suffering any longer. He knew Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he's in heaven right now. And so I praise the Lord for that, but. Me and Keith and several of us uh, here at the church have also been walking uh, with our pianist, uh, Kaylee, um, whose husband committed suicide uh, a week and a half ago, I guess it's been now. Um, The funeral was yesterday, and Keith has been ministering very closely, and several of you have reached out to Kaylee. Um, But today's message talks to some of these things that we're dealing with today. Uh, some of the people that we know personally that are struggling mentally, emotionally, psychologically, even physically. Um, And so I want to talk about this morning about mental health. Um, And I'm sure that most of you in this room have known someone who has struggled at some point with Mental health, mental strength. Whether it be maybe they suffered from a a mental disorder or or a struggle. Maybe they you've walked with a family member who uh, went into dementia or Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. That is so difficult on the brain, on the mind. Uh, Maybe you yourself at some point or another have struggled with depression or anxiety disorder, or, or many many of the things that, that our brains are susceptible to. And maybe you've asked the question, does the Bible speak about this? Does the Bible address how and what we should do in dealing with mental struggles? Well, it does. And, and I want that to be a message of hope for us today. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, As you're turning there, we're going to be talking about a man named Elijah. Now, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, there are many that argue he was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament outside of Moses. Um, And the reason many people think of this and believe this about Elijah is in the New Testament, uh, you know, hundreds of years after Elijah's life and death, uh, Jesus has this moment uh, where he goes up on this mountaintop, Um, And he has this, what we call in the church, this transfiguration. He he, he suddenly appears in a more spiritual form in front of three of his disciples. And two men appear with him. And one of the men is Moses. The other one is Elijah, who we're talking about today. And so many people think that Elijah, that we read about in 1 Kings, is one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament because he appeared with Jesus ...during that transfiguration. But I want you to hear me clearly. We're going to see this in in this morning's uh, text. Elijah was a great godly man. Probably one of the greatest godliest men of the Old Testament. But he struggled mentally and emotionally. And we're going to see that this morning. So, look with me in chapter 19. Um, What has happened is in chapter 17, Elijah has uh, predicted that there would be no rain for three years... Uh, in the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. And and so he he goes through this process of predicting that. Three years pass, and then we get into chapter 18, and Elijah has this confrontation with the king of Israel, this man named Ahab. Uh, And he calls him out, basically, for his idol worship. And so he says, you know what? Let's put these idols to the test. And so he, he calls all the people of Israel and all the prophets of this, these two false idols named Baal, we, we sometimes call him Baal, but in, in Hebrew he was named Baal. Baal and Asherah is, is the way they pronounced it. So these two idols were who Israel were worshiping and Elijah calls all their prophets together and says, you know what? Let's build two altars and, and let's put a, a sacrifice on each one. And whoever's God consumes their worship, their sacrifice first, that's who will worship. And all the people of Israel go, you know what? That's not a bad idea. That's, that's actually really smart. And so the people of Israel are gathered. They're, they're trying to figure out what to do. And the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they put together their, their altar and they put their sacrifice on top and they, they worship and they cry out to their God for hours and nothing happens. At one point, Elijah starts making fun of them. He he, he gets very sarcastic with them and says, hey, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe you need to yell louder to wake him up. Or, hey, you know what? Maybe he's on the bathroom and he hasn't opened the door. He can't hear you because he's in the bathroom. And so he makes fun of these people. And then towards the end of the day, he gets bored with waiting. And he says, you know what? You guys are done. He takes his, he fixes up the altar, puts a sacrifice on it, puts barrels of water on top of the altar, and then says one simple prayer. And at the moment that his prayer ends, fire falls from heaven, consumes the altar, the stone on the altar, and the ground around the altar along with all the water, and leaves a crater in the ground. And Elijah walks away in victory... Because God proved himself in the moment. Then you fast forward a little further in chapter 18. uh, uh, The people have gone. They've taken care of the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he's standing on top of this mountaintop. And he says, go, tells one of his servants, go look out towards the ocean. Tell me what you see. And he says, I don't see anything. He says, go again. I don't see anything. And he did this seven times. On the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, there's like a little cloud forming over the water. It looks like a little hand sticking up out of the water. And Elijah goes, go and tell Ahab to get to his palace because it's about to rain like you've never seen it before. <clears throat> so the, the servant goes, tells Ahab. Ahab gets in a chariot, takes off toward his palace. And it says that Elijah pulled up his robe because he went running. And he ended up beating Ahab, even though Ahab is in a chariot pulled by a horse, Elijah beats Ahab to the palace because he's so filled with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit enables him to outrun a horse. So imagine for just a moment, if you were in the shoes of Elijah in this moment, you have seen three massive god-ordained god-clear miracles you've seen fire come from heaven and blow up a sacrificial altar and consume rocks and ground and water you've run faster than a horse you've seen rain coming and predicted it coming when there hasn't been rain for three years what do you think you would be feeling in that moment I would feel exhilaration. I would be like, yeah, my God is awesome. And I would be on a high, right? You had just seen the greatest miracles you've ever seen in your life. You would think that Elijah would be excited beyond all compare. Yet he gets one tiny threat from the queen and look what he responds by doing. Chapter 19, starting in verse 3. Chapter 19, starting in verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Now pause for a second. Elijah has just seen God do some earth-shattering, literally earth-shattering miracles And now he's afraid of one little person. Let's pick back up. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. And look at what God's response is. Middle of verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and then he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. So, Elijah has just had... The most earth-shattering, amazing, miraculous encounters with God, and he gets one little threat, and he runs away and asks God to take his life. Kind of an up and down, don't you think? Elijah's not exactly screaming God's strength in this moment. He's screaming weakness. He's screaming mentally and emotionally, I can't do this anymore. Um, There are some biblical scholars that think that uh, Elijah actually did suffer from some mild form of mental illness because we see such highs and lows from him throughout parts of his ministry. And let me tell you this, mental health is real. It is something that we all need to be aware of. And so I have two questions that I want to ask this morning in light of this. The first one is, why should we care? As the church, why should we care about mental health? Well, first off, there's a a point in God's Word, Matthew 22, where a scribe comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you're a great teacher. What's the greatest commandment in all of God's law? And what is Jesus' response? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But think about the four aspects that we're supposed to be loving the Lord with. All our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Three out of the four have to do with our minds. Three out of the four have to do with mental aspects of us. Our emotions, our thoughts, our faith, our beliefs. So if we're supposed to be loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then mental health should be something that is on our top priority list as a church. Let me give you some stats. 50 million Americans today experience at least one diagnosable mental health disorder. 50% of the population will experience some form of mental illness in their lifetime. If you live old enough you're going to experience some kind of mental breakdown, dementia or loss of memory or something along those lines. Around 20% of the U.S. population at any given moment suffers from depression. One out of five. Guys, that means that there is a huge number of us sitting in this room that is currently, right now, struggling with depression. Now, let me give you a couple of others. Any given day... There are around 123 suicides in the United States in one day, every day. 123. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. That should be a wake-up call to us as a church. People are dying and suffering because the church is not openly talking about this. Uh, And let me just briefly... Chase the rabbit of suicide for a moment, because our church has recently dealt with this, obviously. I have had close personal friends who have committed suicide, and let me tell you right now, um, the last one uh, that passed away from suicide that I was very close with uh, was two years ago. And as a pastor, many of my people, the people in my church came to me and said, "Well, well, isn't he going to hell because he... Committed suicide, isn't that one of the sins that uh, is unexcusable? Let me tell you right now, it is not what you do in this life, it's who you know that determines your eternity. There is nowhere in God's word that tells us that suicide will send us to hell. The only thing that our Bible teaches us is that a life changing relationship with Jesus Christ determines our eternity. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that my friend two years ago and Michael that used to sit right here on this second row knew the Lord and they're in heaven with our Savior. The belief that suicide sends us to hell is a Catholic belief. It is not Protestant. It has nothing to do. Baptists have never believed this. And so let me tell you very assuredly and confidently, your relationship with Jesus determines your eternity, not the method of your death. At the same time, please hear me, if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, that's also not an excuse to enact that, to do that. Christ wants to redeem your life. Please hear me on that. If you struggle with depression or suicide or anxiety or PTSD or any of the wide range of mental struggles that we as people can struggle with, please hear me. God wants to redeem your life right where you're at. He has healing available for you. Now, there are a variety of reasons for uh, mental uh, difficulties. Uh, They can be psychological. Uh, We know that the electrical makeup of our brain, your brain sends signals chemically and electronically. And we know that the electronics in your brain can get out of whack from time to time and can cause thoughts that you wouldn't normally think. Sometimes situations, uh, loss of someone close, a tragedy, abuse, uh, a crisis, um, maybe spiritual disconnection can lead to uh, difficulties in mental health. Um, we also know that the chemicals in your brain can get out of whack too. There are three chemicals, serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine that control the way your brain thinks day in and day out. And we know through brain scans, that sometimes that chemistry within your mind can get unbalanced and can cause your brain to go in a direction that you don't want it to go. So hear me clearly on this. We know that mental health is a physical issue, yet the church for decades has swept this under the rug and has treated this particular physical disorder differently than any other physical disorder. Um, Let me kind of put this in a different perspective for a minute. Many of you in this room suffer from physical problems like diabetes or blood pressure, and you're on a medication to balance that insulin level or to balance that pressure within your body, and you take those medicines because your doctor prescribed those medicines because you had tests that clearly showed that for your physical health, the best thing to do was to take something to balance those chemicals, those pressures, whatever it is, in your body, correct? If I asked, I bet seven out of eight of you would raise your hand that you're taking some kind of medication to, to take care of certain aspects of your body. I currently take medicine for allergies, and I take an acid reducer because I have a physical problem with acid. But let me ask you this. I have a I guarantee you if I asked and we did a survey, almost none of us would tell a, a diabetic to stop taking their insulin. Almost none of us in this room would tell someone who is suffering from high blood pressure to stop taking their medication because it's unholy or unrighteous. So why has the church historically taught mental di- treated mental disorders this way? As someone who has a certificate in counseling, a degree in it, I can tell you that there are physical reasons why some people suffer more mentally than others. And I want to tell you right now, there are re- things that God has given us technologies medications that god has given us to help treat these mental disorders and as first southern church First southern baptist church of scottsdale we as a caring church because we are we are a very caring church as a caring church i want you to hear if you struggle here or you know someone who does we want to care for you in a way that's both biblical and physically responsible medically responsible I want you to hear this. And here's my big idea. This is that thing that I want you to think on. And if you struggle here, I want you to hear this so clearly today. Here's that statement. There is always hope for those in Jesus. And I have always, in all caps, for a reason. If you struggle with mental disorder, mental difficulties, I want you to hear there is always hope for you. If you know someone who is struggling mentally, there's always hope for that person in Jesus Christ. And I want us to be clear that we will be a church that loves these people. You see, if we tell people that hope is found in Jesus, then we need to help them find that hope, don't we? We need to be a safe place. We need to be a place where people can come and hear that Jesus, living a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross to save them from their sins. That His blood was the perfect covering, the perfect cleansing of our unrighteousness. Of the way we fall short, the way we disobey God. And that that blood, that hope, that salvation is available to anyone who would live their life in dedication, in belief in Jesus Christ. They need to hear and know that that hope is available to them. And so Jesus died for them. And Jesus made comments like in Matthew 11, He makes the comment that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus wants to come alongside every person who struggles physically, mentally, emotionally, situationally. He wants to come alongside you and walk with you and carry you in times of difficulty. Jesus wants to help you. In Romans 8, 38-39, it gives us this assurance. It says, For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter how you feel, no matter where your emotions may be in a moment, The love of Christ can never be pulled from you. His love can never be separated from you. His love and His hope is always there. It's always available. So I've asked the question, why should we care? Now I need to ask the question, how should we care? How should we care? I think there's three things that the church should provide for those struggling mentally, physically, situationally, in any way. And here are those three things. First, we need to provide safety. Provide safety. The church should be a sanctuary, a safe place for anyone to come and receive the healing and the hope of Jesus Christ. Which means that we can never look at someone and say, that person's crazy. That person's sick in the mind. We can never say that they're weak because we don't know their situation we can never look at them and say oh they just need more faith no they probably don't need more faith they probably need the church to come alongside and help them in their faith with where they're struggling you see they don't need judgment they need the support and the specific help for their unique struggle. And guys, I think this applies to any struggle that we have. Every single one of us in this room have some kind of struggle, whether it be physical or mental or spiritual. We all have some struggle. And the church should be that place that we feel we can safely come and say, I need some help. Help me. That's what the church should be. The second thing that we provide is we should provide connection. Connection. Depression especially, one of the the reigning like red flags that you see with people who struggle with depression is that they quickly isolate themselves. They quickly pull away from the connections that they have. We as a church should be the first place that we build connections and through those connections we care for one another. Your Bible studies Our different groups that meet regularly, whether they be visitation groups or or choir or or whatever group that we, we meet with, with other believers on a regular basis, should be the place where if somebody doesn't show up for two or three weeks, it's that group that's calling them up. Hey, we've missed you. We've missed the connection that we have with you. How can we come alongside and help you connect back in? As a counselor, I can tell you that connection is one of the first ways that a person can gain healing from anxiety and depression. It's one of the key factors to people who struggle in this area for healing, is to build connections back. Lastly, the church should provide help. And let me tell you right now, if you're struggling here, please hear me on this. If you are someone who's struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, PTSD, or the wide range of different mental struggles that we can all deal with, that we can all struggle in, I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. We, as First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale, want to provide you the help that you need, whether that be counseling whether that be a referral to someone that can help you to overcome that difficulty, whatever that may be in your life, we want to come alongside of you and through building connection and safety, we want to help you find the resources that you need to get you healthy, to get you to the place where you're better. There's always hope. Please hear me on that. There's always hope in Jesus. And so if you're struggling today, I want you to hear that loud and clear. I want to sing it from the rooftops that there is always hope in Jesus, and there's going to be always hope in this church because we follow Jesus. And so please, action steps. If you don't struggle here, praise God. But I do pray that if you know someone who struggles in this area, that you will encourage them, that you will stay connected to them, and that you will help them find through safety, through being that safe place in their life, that you can help them find the help that they need. If you do struggle in this area, please hear me. If you're not getting help of some kind, please contact us. Please let us help you find somebody that can help you. Please give us the opportunity to connect you with a professional or with one of our counselors here at the church or with a minister or with some kind of group that can help you get through and be strong mentally, emotionally, and spiritually through the struggle that you're going through. Please do not go through this week without reaching out for help. Don't let it go on. Don't feel ashamed. Do not feel guilty about needing to do this. It's just like any other physical ailment that you would struggle from. If you were sick, you would go to a doctor. If your brain is not healthy, you need to go see someone and please let us help you find someone that can spiritually and emotionally and physically help you right where you're at. There's always hope. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. And there are some of you in this room that needed to hear that message today. And so I pray that you will have the hope in Jesus, the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you for today. And God, we thank you that you provide us with hope, that you provide us with the ultimate hope, the hope that can only be found in Jesus And Lord, my prayer today is that if there is anyone here today that is struggling in this area, that they would not be ashamed, that they would not be afraid to reach out and get the help that they need. So Lord, we thank you for today, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.